Welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast, the podcast that explores all the ways a sport can be put purpose at the center of what they do and have the maximum impact. This month, I speak all things LGBTQ plus inclusion with Dennis Cannell, who is a queer sports enthusiast focusing on the promotion of inclusion and education in sports. They are a project management officer at EGAL Canada, an organization focused on LGBTQ plus peoples and issues. Dennis is actively involved in the Canadian dodgeball community as a coach and organizer, and most recently qualifying for Dodgeball Canada's 2020 National Championships. Dennis has a lot of great work in this space, so I was very excited to have them on for this topic. I hope you find our conversation as educational and insightful as I did. Hi, everybody. My name is David Thibodeau. I'm the host for the Sports for Social Impact podcast. This week, we have a special guest, Dennis Cannell, um, speaking with us about LGBTQ, LGBTQ inclusion in sport. Uh, hi, Dennis. How are you? Hey, David. Uh, I'm very good. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. I'm excited to have you on today. I know, um, you know, we, we both work in this this area of sport, so I'm excited to have a bit deeper conversation with you about this. Yeah, when you asked me um, to come on, I was like, well, this is just going to be a conversation because, you know, we're just as knowledgeable and, and we, you know, see each other in this sector like quite a bit and we've both done some great work. So I'm happy to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, for, you know, before we get started, could you tell us uh, a bit about yourself first? Sure. Um, so my name is Dennis Cannell. I use he, him and they, them pronouns. Um, I'm originally from Windsor, Ontario, one of the most southern cities in Canada, Um I come from a family of seven um, uh, with five kids. Um, and, you know, I, I moved to Toronto um, about 10 years ago for school. And I was looking to study um, human rights and equity at York University, um, which really, I would say, shifted my views in the world around advocacy and inclusion. And I, and I got to that place, I would say, because of um, the queer identity that I hold, identifying as uh, non-binary. Um, and so th- that really led me into um, the activism that I would say I'm involved in today. After I graduated from New York University, I was like really, really like gung-ho on trying to find a job. I couldn't find anything. There was nothing at the time that was um, secure enough for me. So then I went to George Brown College uh, and I studied social service work there in their fast track program. So within a year, I had graduated from there. Um, and then I had found the job um, that I currently hold right uh, now with EGAL Canada. And so uh, I've been a sports inclusion officer there. My current title is a project management officer, um, but um, I'm always involved in you know sports inclusion and um, and, and then that kind of work. Some of the sports that I did play growing up, it was really varying. I was, I think the one that really meant the most to me was long distance running and even like track and field. Uh, that's where I found the most successes. But I played a wide range of sports uh, throughout grade school, um, soccer. I don't think I made the basketball team. I'm like not the tallest and the best with that, but um, like soccer, running, uh, volleyball, those are all things that I participated in. Um, When it came to high school, I was a little more um, reserved, introverted in high school. So I didn't really try out for too many teams. Um, I tried out for the tennis team. I didn't make it, but I was still proud of myself for trying it out and getting out of my comfort zone. But, um, But 
when I did move to Toronto or when I graduated from York University, just around that time, I started playing dodgeball. Um, and that was about six years now. Um, and so I've I could say I've been playing for six years, but realistically, I haven't played at all in the last year because of COVID. So I, I've, I've played for five years, but um, it's my favorite sport that I, I've ever played. I've created a community and I'm like, sure, we're going to get into that um, today. But that's just, you know, of course, two minutes of myself for the folks. To know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea that you were so involved in, you know, so many different sports. <laughs> um, I remember when I was in, you know, in school, I don't know why I thought this, but um, so I was never a runner. I never was particularly good at running or thought, like, you know, really enjoyed mm -hmm. running. But I don't know, right when I got into middle school, grade six, seven and eight, I was just like, I'm going to do track and field every single <laughs> Yeah. Year. I had no idea why, but I was just like, I'm good at running, <laughs> I know. even though I did not like it. Yeah, it's just like this <laughs> so, switch, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, event, you know, I only, I, you know, eventually found my spot in sport when I started exactly, swimming in grade yeah. eight. And that's what I've been involved in mostly yeah. since. And, and I was a coach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to set up this whole conversation about uh, LGBTQ uh, yeah. in sports, what does inc social inclusion look like to you? And what does it look like in the context of sports? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say... It's, it's sometimes hard to define because I think when we think of social inclusion, I think a big part of it is about creating something new. And that's the thing is that support for me is something that is competitive, but I think at it, like the, the root of it, it's something that brings people together. And I'm probably going to say that like so many times throughout this whole conversation, because that when I think of sport, that's literally what I think of is people coming together um, and participating having a good time but yeah um, when I think about social inclusion it is hard to say because I think we're always evolving in how to be more inclusive recognizing how we haven't been you know how we have how how has sport excluded people historically um, and how can we create like new opportunities um, and creating new ways to organize sport um, so it is about community uh, and sport is about being that vehicle that allows people to um, come together. Um, and so that's kind of what I think about uh, when it comes for to when it comes to sport and social inclusion. Yeah, I, 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 I you know, totally agree that I think, you know, sport is about mm -hmm. inclusion, right? I, I think right at the big, right at the heart of what sport is all about is participation. Yeah. And um, one quote that I really like is, um, you know, maybe it's not a quote, maybe it's more of a saying, you know, inclusion is, it, you know, inclusion isn't inviting people to the dance, it's inviting them to dance. Right. And I think that's, you know, how sport can be yeah. used, right? So, you know, you know, inviting people to the, you know, onto boards, and onto committees and stuff like that's bringing them to the table and, you know, kind of looks like inclusion, but is that really inviting them right. to be part of the, being part of the decision making? Is that, um, and I think, you know, sport, I think, um, you know, in the, in the bigger context of um, society, sport brings, you know, marginalized communities to be yeah. included, right? It brings people together. That's what really mm -hmm. what it does. So how do you think sport uh, can help to social inclusion and cohesion for LGBTQ mm -hmm. people? 
Well, thinking about the history behind sport as well, and a lot of the work that I've done um, at EGAL, I've taken that sort of historical perspective of like, what's the timeline on inclusion? Uh, and even like looking at the Olympics, like what sports were included, who was playing those sports. Even today, you can look at, you know, major professional leagues here, um, you know, in, in North America, and who are the ones that are like earning the most? I mean, you see in the news right now um, with the NCAA, I believe, um, and and the size of like the, the men's training area and then the, also the size of like the women's training area. And you just see that disparity and, and you can see how there's been this history of like who has been included. And so like you were saying, we all we are always trying to like fight for greater inclusion um, within sport and, and making it fair um, and providing those opportunities but beyond that making sure it's accessible like you were saying with the table um you know who who are we inviting to the table but who's creating that table in the first place to make sure that it is a table that they can sit at and have a say at i think is super important yeah so just like you know we see the olympics it's bringing people together but who's included who can really get to that level so we can talk about lgbtq inclusion but when we talk about lgbtq inclusion we have to look at a whole systemic kind of intersectional lens too right when we think of like um, the opportunities that you know trans girls and trans people in general are afforded in life when it comes to you know their economic status social statuses um so taking like a holistic kind of intersectional approach at inclusion. So when we fight for one community, it's not just that that community is then, you know, that there's more uh, opportunities for them, but we can like all be standing together on, you know, hopefully a podium one day for the folks that are able to get to that level. But I think when we come from that approach, the end result is going to be something that um, allows for social inclusion and it allows for um, a cohesion of many people coming together within sport. Um, because sport does play, you know, a huge role and continues to play a huge role in the sort of systemic oppressions when it comes to racism, ableism, misogyny, transphobia. Um, and so we need to counter those systems of oppression um, and we can do that mm -hmm. with sport that's the thing is sport can be used as a tool depending on how you're using it um, and so think about how is the sport that you're involved including or excluding and, and what can we be doing to make those changes yeah I think those are really interesting points I think you know the whole um, you know I'm gonna say movement behind you know inclusion for LGBTQ mm -hmm. people it's it's kind of like I, I feel I feel like for um, trans athletes, that movement of in inclusion for um, especially trans women inclusion in sport, being able to compete in the gender in yeah. which they identify, um, you know, that's very, that's almost like from the grassroots moving up because, you know, at, at, in a lot of grassroots sports in Canada um, and at youth sports and at, in youth high schools, um, I believe in all provinces, um, they have a gender inclusion policy that allows trans athletes to compete in the gender in which yeah. they identify. And so does uh, Canada yeah. Games. But then, you know, the higher up you get, the more barriers there are for a trans woman, um, you know, wanting to compete in the gender in which yeah. they identify. Yeah. But then on the other hand of this, um, you know, it's almost the opposite for, I would say, LGB mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement um, at the top levels in yeah. professional and at the yeah. Olympics 
talking about you know making sport include in- inclusive yeah. at the top end, but then that's not necessarily happening at the right at the yeah. at the bottom yeah. end, right? I think um, that's like it's a top down mm-hmm. approach, which isn't necess- you know obviously we need to make all levels of mm-hmm. sport inclusive, but you know if there's no if there's no out athletes at the top, right? We have to look at where yeah. they're coming from. You know, if we're not making grassroots sports, local clubs, inclusive and stuff, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, those are where the yeah. athletes are coming from. So we have to focus on inclusion at the, at the start of sports in gym yeah. classes, yeah. in local clubs, um, which I don't think is necessarily yeah. happening that it, much. It's definitely, we, we've definitely made progress. You know, I have to definitely state mm-hmm. that is that just in our general society, there has been a lot of progress around particularly uh, lesbian and gay. Um, we've seen a lot of attention around um, trans athletes lately, and a lot of it is really disheartening to see, especially as someone uh, who's non-binary um, for folks who are trans, to be to see that, to see your just rights denied of not being included and, and not having a space for you to participate in these mm-hmm. parts of society that are meant to bring people together that have so many benefits when it comes to mental health, physical health, you know, um, so many different areas, you know, sports can really um, make someone and, and allow someone to feel better about themselves in the context of society. So for folks to non-binary and trans and, and and queer people in general to not feel included in that part of society is is just another thing that is something that they need to like fight against mm-hmm. and it's a barrier for them to succeed in life um so mm-hmm. but you're right there you know in certain ways it's a top-down approach in certain ways it's a bottom-up um, but we really need to be fighting on all fronts. We don't need to be choosing one way or the other. There's work in the communities that we need to do in the schools, how we organize students in, in gym classes. But then also at the top, we need to see that representation and we need to ensure that there are like a- accessible mm-hmm. pathways for athletes to go from gym class to the podium. And we've seen some an amazing athletes um, on uh, in my role at EGAL, we recently did a, um, a a webinar series of 10 episodes um, that, David, yes, you were a part of too. I will plug this. But we've had like other incredible people come on. Um, Mark Tewksbury is, was the host of the series. Um, and Mark uh, won the gold medal in 1992 for swimming. Um, and uh he was the first, um, I know at the time he wasn't out. Um, he ended up coming out, I believe, in 1998. Um, but when he came out, yeah. he was the first um, athlete to be recognized, I think, as uh, a gold medal winner. Um, we also had um, Eric Radford on as well, an incredible guest. Um, and you know, you see these people succeeding, but then you also take a look at their other social identities that you have, and you can understand why maybe they were able to get to that level uh, in the first place, you know, um, being men, being white. And, and so, yeah, we need to really be taking a an intersectional approach when we think of like inclusion, particularly in sports. Um, and I was listening to when mm-hmm. you're one of the earlier podcasts that you had and and you had mentioned that um you know in certain ways society has made a lot of progress right 
And we can see that in, you know, days of significance, you know, throughout the year. Um, but then when we look at sport specifically, it's lagging behind. Um, and I think we really need to put a lot of emphasis on ensuring that like these sports spaces where people are participating, physical education, um, we need to be doing our part in like ensuring that, you know, we're going the extra mile when it comes to like including people. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of progress, but there's of course, so, 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 so much work um, to be done. Yeah, I, I think I totally agree. I think, um, you know, sport culture so largely revolves around, I don't want to say, um, um, you know, I guess like yes. masculine traits, right? Everything that we, when a lot of people imagine, you know, athlete, male, muscular, strong, tall, um, yep. right? And, and that's very, almost, you know, yep. ingrained in our society. And, you know, women's sports are not on, you know, not in uh, media as often. Mm -hmm. They don't get as much airtime. Um, you know, there's a whole lot yep. of issues like that. And the whole sport culture really needs, you know, almost like a reset to make it more inclusive. Um, so what, what do you think are some, mm -hmm. you know, we, I get, we talked about it a bit already, but um, what are some of the barriers to LGBTQ inclusion and particip yeah, participation well, like, in sports? Of course, the first one that has to come to my mind is seeing in the States right now, all of these barriers for trans inclusion, particularly trans girls in sports, literally being banned from participating um, in sports. So like policy, huge barrier. We've made progress mm -hmm. in Canada. EGAL is working towards, you know, um, looking and critically taking a look at policies within national sports organizations. It's a huge movement going on right now in Canada. Um, and, and ensuring that those are inclusive and that, you know, it, but it always has to go beyond policy, right? You don't stop there. Um, and so like you were yeah. saying earlier, take a look at, you know, what's the knowledge of the coaches? What's the knowledge of the athletes? How are they interacting like peer to peer? Um, what's the whole organization? What's the culture, you know? Um, and and really taking that sort of approach to ensure that this space is inclusive of, of a uh, you know of a trans person of someone who's non-binary because they are going to be in that space and they might already be in those spaces and we might not even know it yet. Um, so being proactive and and doing these things ahead of time uh, instead of of course reactive. Um, so I think that's, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly, 100% be proactive. Um, but yeah, like, we're developing a resource right now um, at EGAL that actually looks specifically at this question, what are the barriers to LGBTQ uh, participation in sport? Um, and so there are those like physical barriers um, when it comes to safety in sports. A lot of queer people don't feel safe um, playing sports uh, because mm -hmm. of the culture around it. Um, whether you're in a stadium and you hear homophobic and transphobic um, chants, I mean, this is a huge topic. Um, you know, we are fighting for our rights just to participate, like I said. Um, and also privacy, um, which goes into, you know, um, when we look at um, locker rooms and, and change rooms and shower rooms, um, are those spaces really 
safe for us? Um, are, are they private enough for us to feel like we can use those spaces that work and be, be comfortable with it? But we also see like administrative barriers too on registration forms. And this is something that impacts not even queer people, but queer families, queer parents, um, having to fill out forms that say mother and father or, you know, are super, super gendered. Mm -hmm. um, we see teams being, um, uh, divided into boys and girls or men and women or whatever. And I think it's such an outdated way to organize sport. There's so many different ways you could do it by date of birth, maybe, you know, January to July uh, or to June, July to December. Um, perhaps depending on the game, you could do it by um, eye color or by height or, you know, depending on whatever. I just think there's so many mm -hmm. uh, better ways. Uh, and we, we already see that in certain sports, like for, I believe it's boxing, is around like sometimes around weight or like weightlifting, you see the different um, classes. Um, so I think there's different ways. Yeah. So mm -hmm. those are just some of the barriers that we face. I really could go on and on, but I just want to recognize the time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I I uh, totally agree. You know, policy is definitely a huge, um, is a huge barrier, I think. Uh, the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sports has, you know, they study the issue, yeah. the issue, the topic a lot um, about trans inclusion. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've recommended that there should be, you know, that trans people should be able to identify and or should be able to participate in the in the yeah. um, gender in which they identify yeah. with, you know, with no problem. And I think Canada's mm -hmm. made a lot of progress. I agree, and I, but I think the international field and like definitely the the international, um, like the international. Mm -hmm. field of sports and competitions still has a long way to go. Yeah. To I want to say catch And up. I want to recognize the Canadian um, Olympic Committee and... for, you know, the progress that they've made and, you know, the leadership that they've shown in this area. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've worked closely with the COC along with You Can Play um, and, and along with EGAL, there was that partnership that really um, created the role at EGAL, a sports inclusion officer. And, um, you know, the COC has a whole, you know, website dedicated to LGBTQ inclusion. They have a school program um, that I believe is for younger students, but I don't care what age you are. If you need more information, yeah. go to a primary yeah. school and, and, you know, if they're doing good inclusion work, then start there because <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. Um, and, and I know the COC has done uh, some great work in that field. So I just want to recognize that. Yeah, I, I believe the yeah, program is yeah, called the exactly. One Team Program, um, and I think it's mm -hmm. done a lot of yeah, a lot of great work. You know, there's a study out called I'm not sure if you heard it. I'm sure of course, it, yeah, um, like out in the fields, yeah. groundbreaking. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, I think one of their yeah, I think one of their findings um, in their original study in 2015, right. I think it was, um, found that uh, in Canada, I think it was like 70 percent of people didn't feel that yeah. LGB LGB um, athletes were right. safe in youth sports um which i think like that's you know yeah. a huge number <laughs> like 70 percent like um right and that's not okay um so so how do we make sports more inclusive and more safe for lgb athletes lgbtq um, athletes well I mean, this definitely is a really great follow-up question from what we just talked about, about the barriers. Um, and so all the barriers that I had named that we had talked about, how can we remove them? That's the first step if we want to be more inclusive. Let's take a cold, hard look at what are the barriers to LGBTQ 
uh, inclusion in sport and participation in sport. And then we can remove those barriers, like step one right there. Um, but I think in, when we do that, the practice that we need to take, and this is something that I've learned throughout this past year, looking at a lot of racial justice um, activism within the last year, um, has really enlightened me to really take an approach from of doubt. And I know in like a lot of circles, doubt is this like negative kind of thing that we're like, you don't have self-doubt, like believe in yourself. And like, that's all good and, and, and fine. But I think when we're doing this hard work of like really taking a hard look at ourselves and our communities and our friends and our families, I think we need to come from a place of doubt that we don't always know exactly the right path forward. We don't know what the right next step is. Um, so coming from a place of doubt allows us to make those mistakes, allows us to like try something new. So that's something I definitely would recommend for folks who are interested in this topic, who are sort of in a starting place or not even in a starting place, but at a barrier in thinking of what, what difference can I make? Come from a place of doubt, think of like your own communities and what difference you can make. And then also like when engaging with um, diverse communities, diverse LGBTQ communities, definitely practice active listening and prioritize the voices that often go the most unheard, that are the most vulnerable in our society. Um, and just come from that place of like listening to them, centering their voices, giving them the mic, putting them up on the stage, putting them on the platform, inviting them to the panel, you know, paying them for all of these things too. Um, but really like centering those voices because they're the ones who are experiencing these, these barriers to inclusion. Uh, and if we wanna make sports more inclusive, we need to ask the people who are being excluded how they'd like to be included. You know, we talked about bringing them to the table. How about like we help, we allow them to help build that table as we move forward. Um, and, and, you know, just with that, we're going to create a more inclusive more inclusive sports, but also a more inclusive world. I think a lot of the things we're talking about today or, you know, right now about sport are things that can also be applied to the larger world as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I very much agree with everything you've said. I think, you know, sports can, yeah. you know, sports can really be a vessel yeah. for, yeah. you know, removing the barriers, I guess, you know, um, sports, you know, I think sometimes, you know, marginalized communities and like the LGBTQ community, like sometimes, you know, there's a, there's an air of like, you know, you don't know how to interact with these right. communities. You don't, know, you don't know what to say. You don't know um, how to act. And I think, you know, sports yeah. Yeah. helps bridge those gaps too, right? Like sports, you know, as we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. sports can be mm -hmm. a tool for inclusion, right? It brings people together. Um, so sports, sports itself can be the vessel to help removing those barriers to breaking down, um, you know, those, you know, stigmas, you know, myths, like yeah. how, what, whatever have be it. Um, Sports can be used to help spread help the message of inclusion, include, honestly. Make, yeah. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Sports has a huge power um, yeah. for spreading good messages. You know, sports can, sport yeah. can be and used it goes to beyond borders. It goes beyond cultures. Um, I mean, we look at the Olympics of all these different people coming together from so many different identities mm -hmm. around the world. Of course, there are mm -hmm. there are a lot of barriers to get to the Olympics in the first place. And, you know, that's a whole topic. But like. But just seeing mm -hmm. all of that happen, but even looking at the community levels, I mean, just looking on social media, if you dig deep enough, you can find sports communities 
everywhere across the world. It's something that we all have in common. Mm -hmm. So if we can come from that place and and use sport in a way um, that allows us to spread that message of inclusion, uh, I think it's a surefire way of, you know, being mm-hmm. successful in this area um it allows mm-hmm. us you know to 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 you know provide more education it allows us to spread awareness um and to like stand up for what's right um so yeah and i think you know i you know i don't want to say the onus is on the athletes but i think and an example of this is tom daly when he won his gold medal in um mm-hmm. at the commonwealth games in 2018 i believe it was um, and he, you know, he used this platform to advocate for, uh, yeah. you know, LGBTQ rights in the Commonwealth. You know, there, there are still countries in the Commonwealth where, you know, it's, you know, a, a punishable yep. offense to be gay, you know, by death. So, you know, you, you know, obviously it's not, I don't want, you know, it's not all on LGBTQ right. people to advocate 100%. for ourselves. We also need allies. Um, <laughs> but, you know, athletes can use their platforms to, yeah. to make a difference and advocate yeah. for change as well. So what are some resources or organizations that people, um, you know, can turn yeah. to to find some more information if they, you know, if they want to do some research? Because I, you know, I, I really don't want to put the onus on, you know, not everybody has the time or the energy to yeah. educate everybody themselves all the time. Um, so what are some um, helpful well, tools Well, I mentioned some organizations to? earlier. You know, I, I work uh, with EGAL Canada and we work um, with You Can Play um the coc has done coc being the canadian olympic committee um so i think those three would be like a great start but you know i come from uh, a more uh canadian uh context perspective so you know uh in the in the years that i've been the sports inclusion officer uh via sport bc has been uh, a great website so um a website and resource. They have a number of resources up there that focus on LGBTQI2S inclusion. Um, Athlete Ally in, uh, I believe they're North American based or globally based, I'm not sure. But they have a lot on their website, way more than I ever knew actually. Um, So that would be a resource. Um, uh, Canadian Women in Sport with their Leading the Way resource has been incredible. Um, Definitely would recommend looking at that. Um, Coach New Brunswick, I believe, has a great resource on coaching um, that someone I know put together by the name of David Thibodeau. So we'll plug that for <laughs> sure. That's That really has been a fantastic resource for me um, moving forward. Um, transathlete.com by Chris Mosier, um, who is a trans man. Um, uh, I believe they're a dua duathlete i believe um i believe that's their sport but um they have a whole website transathlete.com like i said um that really is focused on the hottest topic you know today which is trans inclusion particularly in the states with all of the you know laws trying to be passed in the courts um like i said the coc also their school program um a really, really, really important one is the Canadian Center for Ethics and Sport. Um, they have a template trans inclusion policy that is incredible. So if you're listening and you're from a sport organization um, and you're looking to put 
and implement that type of policy in your work in in your organization um definitely look up the canadian center for ethics and sports trans inclusion policy um and lastly um um there's the coaching association of canada has also has some good resources um the center for um the canadian center for gender and sexual diversity ccgsd um i'm listing off so many but truly these are the like yeah. the go-to <laughs> ones i've been doing this work now like paid professionally for just over two years and um i've been collecting resources after resources from all these different places and those are the top ones um but lastly just remembered um we're a part of the sports inclusion task force um which is a informal working group um that is you know evolving over time it's it's been a group of people together for a number of years now um and you know we're really hoping to um bring a lot of this conversation forward within Canada um, that we had today. Um, and so uh, keep an eye out for um, the SITF, the Sports Inclusion Task Force. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of work being done in this field in Canada. And it's, it's very you know, inspirational to see all this work being done. I, I'm going to try to find yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at least some of them <laughs> that you've listed and, and put, them in the, put links in the oh, description awesome. of the podcast for everybody listening. So it's a little bit easier to find, but I, yeah, I definitely think, you know, as much as we were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, invite people to speak about their experiences and stuff. Um, you know, the people, the people that are, that are working in this space are, you know, yes. are very, are yes. very taxed and they're very tired of talking about it. And sometimes, and sometimes talking yep. about their own personal experiences yep. is also very, very difficult. Um, yeah. So these resources are also good. Um, so, you know, if you need if, to understand more about, you know, language, pronouns, um, yeah, you know, and, and basic inclusion yeah. things for your for your local. Gal has incredible um, resources around you know, the, a lot of those things um, for more just like a general kind of message around like pronouns, inclusive language, the acronym, mm -hmm. all the different terms. We have glossaries and terms and concepts resources. Um, so if folks really are wanting to know more around LGBTQ I2S work, um, then definitely I would recommend egal.ca. Um, but um, but all the others I named as well um, have resources specific to sport. Um, so highly, highly, highly recommend. I so have like mm -hmm. one other one more question sure. before we really wrap up um, for you. Um, but you know, this, so this podcast is called Sports for Social Impact, and I think you know we've talked a bit about how sport can be used for inclusion already. But um, you know, sport has been identified as an important tool for achieving the Sustainable mm. Development Goal Number Five, which is gender equality. Now, LGBTQ people aren't really right. captured in any of the SDGs. You know, obviously, obviously, trans women um, and lesbians are under you know gender yeah. equality because because it's really focused on women. But what are some of the ways that uh, sport can be used to achieve mm -hmm. equality for LGBTQ communities? Uh, do you think that sport can be can can contribute to equality? Well, when you mention that LGBTQ people are not like specifically mentioned in any of the SDGs, then I just flip the script and I say, then we're included on all of them, you know, because every single goal of the SDGs then must relate to LGBTQ. If they're not going to single us out in one specifically, then we are involved in every single one. And that's the <laughs> truth, though. Um, you can like you can understand all the SDGs, I think, in a certain way that is around um, LGBTQI2S inclusion. 
um, but specifically to like gender equality, um, for sure. Um, and gender is not just men and women, you know, there are so many genders um, or, or you can identify as like no gender, being a gender. Um, there's so many different ways. And I just think it's so beautiful. Um, my understanding of gender is just really fluid. I identify as non-binary, um, but I identify with like being gender queer. And like, it's just, I don't want to put myself in a box. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I don't want people to just make assumptions and stereotypes just based off the way I express myself. I don't want to be just put into a sort of label or anything. I'm I'm always growing. I'm always going to be changing. And I just think it's a much easier way to live, um, to just be more free in that way. So yeah, when we talk of like gender equality, I understand the perspective that maybe the SDGs are coming from when they're centering women, because historically women uh, and femme people specifically, I'll say, have been, you know, um, at the bottom uh, when it comes to um, just the different uh, levels of equality. Um, so women and femme people have, you know, faced a lot of those barriers, have faced a lot of those oppressions. Um, so, but the way I understand gender equality is really different, like, from, a, a, like, for all genders, um, of course, um, beyond just like men and women, um, which so that includes like non-binary people that includes, you know, um, a wide range of people under the LGBTQ umbrella. But how can sport empower? Well, yeah, before we wrap up, I really, and I think like a good way to end this question is around um, my involvement most recently in sport like i'm trying to incorporate how i played dot how i've been playing dodgeball for the past five to six years and how i've seen gender equality within this community that i play in here in toronto um i play in a queer dodgeball league um who is you know trying to do their best and ensuring that like the space that they create for people to come and play and participate and have fun in our community is inclusive and so we've seen the barriers that like trans people have when coming to play dodgeball or you know um you know women and femme people coming to play you know and non-binary people seeing the problem when we have requirements of like oh a certain amount of people on one team and a certain amount of people on the other you know based on their gender and how that could be actually really limiting to some trans and non-binary people who may or may not be expressing themselves in the gender that they might associate with um and so our dodgeball league is always trying to do better and evolve and i think that's just like one example of ways that sport and sport clubs communities groups um organizations can be doing to be more proactive is like I said earlier, come from that place of doubt, come from a place of active listening. Um, so you can be fully gender equal um, and that we can achieve a lot of those um, sustainable development goals. Because um, like you were saying earlier, it, it uh, there is a big portion of this that does start from that community level. Um, if we really want people to reach the top to be, mm -hmm. you know, representatives and to you know offer that representation then we have to make sport at the grassroots level inclusive because if it doesn't then we're not even allowing them to you know start the race you know 
Yeah, definitely. I think I know. I know. You know I, I know. I think we could keep talking about this for a lot longer, but um, I think that you know we covered a lot of ground. But I think yes. there's still there's a lot so of much we, more I could talk you know, about around my my personal um, experience within sport yeah. and dodgeball. I touched on it a little bit just now, but there really is like much more to say around um, how it's improved who I am as a person, mm-hmm. the friends and communities that I've made, not just here in Toronto or Ontario or Canada, but around the world. And it's allowed me to um, really get a more full picture of um, the work that's being done out there and the challenges that we have moving forward. So it's been incredible for me. And and that's the experience that I want to ensure that other people can have. Um, and so every day I'm learning the different roles that I play mm-hmm. and the different hats that I can wear that allow me to enter and have these spaces accessible for me, but who can I also bring along with me? Um, and so that's like the honor of my life is to ensure that when I come through a door, I'm leaving it open, you know, and I'm bringing other people, uh, you know, mm-hmm. forward with me. Um, so I think that's yeah. a great place to, I guess, to finish this conversation with that um with that with that last message that you left of uh yes. you know, making yep. sure that you left up everybody when you left up yourself mm-hmm. um i think that's that's really that's a really powerful message um well listen Dennis, thank you so much for yes. talking taking the time to talking to me today um it was great we'll and, have to do this um, again and have, have it reversed i ask you on. the questions because i'm sure there's so 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 much that you can also <laughs> say on this so um Thank you for having me. I um, really, really appreciate it. It's an honor. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really look forward um, to, to, to having more conversations with you.